Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Don't kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're back now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Joining me tonight is Con Arell. Con, how are you? I am good. Excited for this episode. How are you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing great. Thank you. Our buddy Pete is not with us tonight. He had some family responsibilities, so he will be back with us down the line here. But Con and I reached out on Twitter, um, as well as Pete did also, and we asked for some of your favorite fake trades. So we are going to go through those. Um, we'll, we'll do a little disclaimer of how we evaluated them and which ones we're going to talk about and why before we get into it. But we've got plenty of those, but we want to start off with a little bit of news from around the NBA, uh, things, again, that are related to really rosters and that. No transactions of note this week that we need to talk about. So one of the things we want to get into is most of these things, unfortunately, they're injury-related. It's just that kind of year where guys just continue to go down. It feels like, Con, it feels like every time we get a guy back, we lose two. Well, I that kind of year is an interesting way to put it because I feel like every year, I mean, this is just the nature of the game, I guess, because I know last year, the year before, there's always at least a period during the season where it seems like everyone's getting hurt. Um, it sucks that it's like kind of not even halfway through the season yet, um, but it, I guess it's just the way it is. I think the more these injuries happen, the more discussion is going to revolve around, hey, like, what do we do to either increase or decrease the amount of games or spread them out more, but stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And one kind of related note to that is teams manage the health of their overall roster. One of the things we've seen is teams are starting to hit that rest phase. Now, they, they didn't do much resting for the first couple months of the season. Now that we're about two months in, we're starting to see guys sit the Spurs, sat a bunch of guys in a game the other day. The Celtics, they Kyrie Irving missed their last game with a quad contusion, but it's something they probably could have played through. And then they openly said they're resting out Horford on Wednesday night against the Nuggets. Just rest. Like they just said he's going to be out for rest reasons. So so that's the, the point that we've hit in the season. But let's talk about a couple of these more recent injuries. Tony Allen was announced. He's going to be out three to four weeks with a fractured fibula for the New Orleans Pelicans. That's It's one of those where if – Feels like it should be a bigger loss than it is, but Allen hasn't been playing consistent for, consistently for New Orleans. Recently, he's been kind of in and out of the rotation. They have a lot of guys at that same two, three-ish spot in the roster, so I don't know how big of a loss this actually is for the Pelicans. What do you think? Well, yeah, like you said, it, it seems like it should be a bigger loss, but they have Drew Holiday, they have Rondo, they have Etwan Moore, um, I mean, Darius Miller's been playing a lot. So Jameer Nelson is a big get for them midseason. So a guy like Tony Allen, where this team already struggles for space, um, it kind of, I guess it makes sense that he hasn't been getting too much time because obviously he can't shoot. He's getting older, so he can't bring the hustle that he used to bring night in and night out. Um, so yeah, uh, I think, I uh, hope to see him back, but I don't know if his role's going to ever get up to where it was with the Grizzlies. Yeah, I don't think it is either. I don't think you can play him with Cousins and Davis for the reasons you just said. You really need someone else who can space the floor, and it's interesting. Etwan Moore is filling that role for them, despite he's not a traditional three at all, but he's doing quite well. He had a huge game uh, the other night against, the, I think, was that the Rockets game? He scored like 30-something points. They did end up losing that game, but he played great. 
in that one. So so Allen on the shelf for about a month. So we'll we'll check back in on him mid January, probably three to four weeks with a leg. Those things generally tend in my uh, history looking at it generally tend closer to five or six. So we'll see what happens. Staying in the Western Conference, Danilo Gallinari. He came back for a couple games. He's back out again. Glute injury again. He took a pretty hard fall. He is going to be back out. Doc Rivers said at least a couple games, but. The couple games last time turned into half the season so far. So, you know, and that, and that's a team they they can't afford to not have him because he is with Blake Griffin sidelined. He is their best scorer, and it's not even really close. And well, I guess Lou Williams is there is the other guy, but he's their best scorer of the the big man variety. Yeah, you know this. Sadly, it's nothing new with Gallinari. Uh, he he's he's consistently hurt, and that's why his contract is seen to be. Um, a bit of an albatross just because like his, his skill level probably warrants it but the amount he plays definitely doesn't and uh, we'll actually get to Gallinari too he's one is in one of our trade discussions so yeah and you're, you're absolutely right that is why some of the people look at that deal and like uh and it, and it is funny because when you look at it like he he shoots it fairly well he gets to the line a good amount it's just one of those things where the guy he's just never healthy same with the Clippers though uh, Milos Teodosic back so that's good to see, as I put out on Twitter, the Clippers are watchable again because this guy's just fun. And then, of course, in his first game back, he goes out and has no assists. <laughs> Jed didn't think he could play a game without getting any assists, but uh, there was not much going on in that game offensively on either side. I think 97-91, they beat the Raptors. But it's good to see Milos back um, with Patrick Beverly down. They really didn't have a true point guard on the roster. Lou Williams is more of an off-the-ball guy. Austin Rivers isn't really a point guard. Juwan Evans was probably the best pure point guard on the roster. So I would say as long as uh, Teodosic is healthy, we're going to see him take that point guard job and run with it. You agree? Yeah, I mean, they don't. no one else on the roster can, can do that. And I know a lot – I have a Clippers friend, and I know a lot of Clippers fans are – Wanting to the team to be not that good this year because they want an impact, impact uh, first round pick this year. So that'll be an interesting storyline to keep an eye on. Yeah, you know what's really interesting for me with with uh, with Teodosic is they are he has a player option for next year of six point three million, and that's going to be kind of curious to see what he does because he's is he the kind of is he does he want to stay in the states? Does he want to go? Out if you now if he declines that the Clippers can make him a restricted free agent because anybody with less than four years of service time has to be you know can be made a restricted free agent so it's really interesting to think about which way that could go uh, for Teodosic and the Clippers and then what if he lights it up the rest of the year maybe he looks at it and says hey I should make way more than six point three million so that's something I just kind of watch as as the season plays out for what looks like it's probably going to be a lost season. For the Clippers, unfortunately, they get him back. Gallinari, let's assume he's probably he's probably going to play around 60-ish games or so. Let's say Blake gets back eventually. They still have, if they don't trade DeAndre, I know a lot of fake trades involving DeAndre Jordan that uh, we might talk about here. That team, they might be too far out to make the playoffs, but they're probably going to win just too much to have a really good draft pick. Yeah, and that's kind of the the tough thing there, uh, being in that like ten to fourteen range. Um, although you see a lot, I mean Donovan Mitchell went twelve, right? Uh, you see a lot of players that kind of drop to wherever. It's all about drafting the right guy. And to touch on Milos's contract situation, I think, I mean, if I, I think he would probably decline it just in order to because he's got, he's thirty years old right now, um, and he's gonna be pushing. He's gonna be thirty one uh, in in March. So I think he can get like a three to four year deal at probably around six million, I would say, like his player option next year um, and kind of get a longer deal going into his 33, 34 year season before he kind of declines and can lock that money up. Yeah, it, it is interesting. It could that could be where it goes ultimately. It's just going to be something yeah. to watch as the rest of this goes. Uh, moving to the East, Cody Zeller. He is. We knew he was out last time we recorded that he was hurt. Now we've got the details. He tore his medial meniscus. He's going to be out four to six weeks, probably more closer to the six week end of that time frame. So just a bummer for Cody Zeller. Just another guy starting to get that rep that he just can't stay healthy. They were an awful team without Zeller last year. Obviously. So they've got Dwight Howard, who's playing quite well. I did some local radio in Charlotte today. A lot of excitement around the way Dwight Howard's playing. And 
Unfortunately, that's about the only excitement going on with that team right now because they are struggling. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting. So Zeller on the shelf. Uh, he went down as Frank Kaminsky came back, Jeremy Lamb back in there. So Charlotte's got enough depth to get by without Zeller, but just unfortunate for him. Derek Jones Jr., who was waived by the Suns when they converted Mike James from his two-way to a standard deal, as we talked about. He has caught back on with the Suns NBA GL team, which is good for Jones Jr., good for the Suns. He's a guy they obviously like quite a bit, so keeping him around the family with that one. And then this one's kind of interesting, and this is something I'm going to have a piece coming for Real GM fairly soon, hopefully by the end of the week, about how teams are using the NBA GL differently than they've used it in the past. And one way they're using it is almost how Major League Baseball does rehab assignments. The NBA is doing that, and one guy who's doing that right now is Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. He's down with the Windy City Bulls rehabbing, which means he's getting close to a, to a return, which would be a welcome return for the Bulls, who, despite the fact that they absolutely waxed the Celtics last night, they are just not a good team. And they could definitely welcome Levine back and use him as a scorer on the team. And that that's still a problem spot for them. They just don't put up enough points. What do you think Zach Levine does for the rest? Let's assume he comes back and he's healthy. And when he's fully healthy, what, what are you looking at for him numbers-wise? Well... Quickly before I there, uh, I kind of wish the Bulls would have picked up uh, Derek Jones Jr. off the waiver wire. Just a young athletic player can maybe use him as a rebuilding squad. But anyway, with Levine, nah, you gotta you don't want young athletic guys. You want cash considerations. <laughs> exactly, um, and that extra roster spot that always stays open with the Bulls for some reason. Anyway. Um, with Zach Levine, I mean, I think he's going to pick up right where he left off last year. He was averaging about 18 points last year, uh, if I remember correctly. He was up at 20 for a good amount of the year. Um, and with the Bulls, I mean, he's going to come in as clearly, clearly the best scorer on the team. Uh, just the best player on the team, really, I would say. And with a team that has struggled on offense, although they have won their past three games, Nico Miritich has been a huge boost. You can see just a quality rotation player, even, even just slightly above average or average rotation player like Miritich can help this team um, because they just are starving for talent at certain spots. Uh, with Zach Levine, who, I mean, has star potential, really. He played he, he played really well last year. Uh, there was It even became a debate, like Wiggins or Levine at one point. People were choosing Levine a lot of the time, too, in that debate, which I don't know if I would agree with, but... Anyway, the fact that it got to there is exciting as a Bulls fan to see what he's doing. It's not exciting if they win too many games and aren't a top <laughs> top three to five seed, but I don't think that'll be too big of a problem there. But yeah, stats-wise, probably 20 to 22 points, I'd say. Uh, maybe ease into it a bit, though, to start out. Yeah, it's funny that we're at that point of year, too, where teams are like, wait, we don't want to win too many of these games. We you know, want to stay down here towards the bottom of the standings, so... The Hornets and the Knicks ones were fun and like, okay, we only have three wins. So these young guys need to see wins, need to see that their effort actually is paying off certain nights because just going like 10 for 72 or something stupid like that, that is really um, just demoralizing. So that's not a good way to tank. I think Uh, we saw that with Philly for a few years there, even though they're at the position they're at now. Winning a few more games doesn't hurt. So I like that. And then now that they just blew out the Celtics, they're actually playing like a pretty exciting style right now with their athletic people. And then with Levine coming back, it's like, okay, they might not be the absolute worst team in the league, which I didn't think they would be anyway, but anyway. But as you're looking at the standings and all of a sudden you've caught the Hawks and you're only right behind the Mavericks and the Grizzlies and the Kings, now, now it starts to get a little like, wait a minute, fellas, let's you know, let's slow down a I little I thought here. they'd be better than the Suns and the, um, the Hawks and maybe the Kings anyway, so it's not that surprising, but still. Yeah, they're basically exactly what I thought from the standpoint of they, they just can't score consistently, and I that's kind of where I thought it was going to go for these guys. So it is it is interesting to, to see where it goes from here. I do think the one thing I worry about with Levine coming back, because you know he's going to play plenty, and you know Justin Holiday because he's the best shooter on the team, is going to play. I, I want to make sure that they continue to give minutes to Denzel Valentine because I, I think he's a good player, and they need to really find out what they have in him and I'm just afraid that that he he's tended to when they've had other guys he's been a guy who hasn't played a lot 
unless they've really needed to. So I want to make sure that they keep playing Denzel Valentine. And that, but here's the challenge is for, for Fred Hoiberg, is he how overly invested should he be in the young guys' development when there's a good chance he's not going to be the guy coaching them next? So that becomes a really tricky to balance situation for a coach because he'd probably rather have the handful of wins and show, hey, I can coach for whatever his next opportunity is versus, you know, saying, all right, you know what, we take a loss tonight and I'll just work on development. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. This isn't a bull spot, so I don't want to carry this on too much, but I think the expectations for Hoiberg is less about the wings than it is about the development of the young players. And so far, I mean, he's been doing great with marketing. He's been running a lot of sets for him, a lot of plays. I mean, yeah. even clutch time, Lowry's getting those shots. Chris Dunn has been a surprise. I mean, I was expecting this from Chris Dunn because I thought the spacing and like the energy and the young team that he's going to be a big part of would help his confidence. Uh, so I'm not too surprised at his play, but he's been playing well, so that's a good sign for Hoiberg. And if they win a few games, like I don't know if the wins are as important as the development, if the, and if they develop, like Nawaba's been really good too. So uh, I'm I'm not too upset with the job Hoiberg's been doing this season, at least. Yeah, I actually, you you know, I'm a big Chris Dunn guy, and I'm a big believer in him, and I like how aggressive he's been in that Celtics game, and then the game before that too. He had a lot of drives where he was putting his shoulder in the guys as he went into the paint to create space, and then hitting that little fallaway shot that he has, and that's a shot that he needs to have as a you know kind of bigger point guard. Um, if he can make that consistently, he's he's going to be really set up you know nicely for success so all right well that's been the bulls pod thanks for joining (laughs) us um so one last piece of news just really you know this is probably the best thing that any any nba fan can have if you're a general nba fan Kawhi leonard back tonight we're recording this on a tuesday he is back for tonight's game they're going to manage his minutes which means he's probably going to play 20 25 minutes would be my guess out of the gate but he is back and that's great to see in the spurs and with him coming back third place 19 and 8 right on pace for uh somewhere in the high 50s and wins so basically they're the spurs um and that should that probably at this point it would make me a little bit nervous the rockets don't get me wrong they're playing amazing the warriors are the warriors but it make me a little nervous that the spurs are only three games out of first place and they've done this without Kawhi all season without tony parker for large chunks of the season so the the spurs they're they're just they're they're so good. Thirteen and two at home, which is among the best home records in the entire NBA. So, you know, they've been playing terrific. All right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get into the meat of what today's show is. We're gonna go through some of the favorite trades you sent to us. We will be right back. You are listening to the NBA front office show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Okay, we are back, and what we're going to do now is we're going to get into the trades. So a um, couple things here. We asked, we reached out through Twitter and said, send us some of your favorite fake trades to get out there. We we obviously got some silly ones. We, we knew we were opening ourselves up for that. One guy sent in LeBron James for Abdel Nader, which, as I said to Khan, nope, Celtics wouldn't do it. Abdel Nader's <laughs> the, the NBA GL Rookie of the Year. He's untouchable. Cannot trade him. So I would say it is uh, – you know, we're really at the point, though, where what is for these trades is we we asked for them to be reasonable. And I will say, Con, tell me if you disagree. I was pretty impressed. No, these were great trades. I mean, like you said, one troll, although you gave him his spotlight. So 
he got what he wanted. <laughs> so he won. He, got he, what he, he wanted. won. Um, but anyway, yeah. I was really intrigued with a lot of these trades. A lot of thought uh, went into these. Some people took screen, screenshots of the trade machine and all that. So I'm interested to get into these. Yeah, and so a couple things with, with trades as we, we get into breaking these down. What you need to remember is that there are rules around trades. One is the money needs to work. This is an NBA 2K, and you can shut off the salary cap and push through any trade. So we're not going to go through any that are illegal. We're not going to get into any that, that completely make no sense at all. A couple things around money in trades. If the team is a luxury tax team, so this is after the trade go would go through, they become a luxury tax team, they can take out 125% of what they sent out plus $100,000. So that's that's the maximum amount they can take back. It's pretty restrictive. Hey, Keith, real quick. One thing that I always kind of run into, and I don't know if I got a definitive definitive answer yet. Um, can you go over the tax after the trade? Because I know you can take back like 125% plus 100000 like you're saying. But can you go over if you were under the tax before the trade? You can go over the tax after a trade. As long as you're not hard capped. That's the... The, the part where it, where it would stick you. And that's actually a uh, really common type of question that I get asked. And that's part of why we're doing this episode, right, Colin, is because we want to do a little bit of education um, for people because we, we get hit up a lot with, what about this trade? What about that trade? But one of the things that part of, part of the goal of this show, the NBA front office show, is to educate folks. So that's one of the things things that we want to do here with this. So, so that's your, that is your um, piece there for, for tax teams. And again, as I said, it's always important to remember this is all evaluated post-trade. Um, you you don't do it before the trade because it doesn't matter, right? Because you're really looking, what would the team be? So pretty restrictive on tax teams. Now, if you're a non-tax team, there's there's really three different tiers of how this can work. And what it is, is if you're sending out no money at all in a trade, which is generally pretty rare, um, and anywhere between $0 and $6.5 million, you can take back 175% of the outgoing salary plus 100000 So really almost, almost double what you send out, you can take back in. But you're not sending out that much to begin with because you're sending out $6.5 million or less. $6.5 million to $19.6 million, it's the outgoing salary plus $5 million. So if you were sending out $10 million, you could take back $15 million. That's the easy way to think of that one. And then if it's $19.6 million or up, which means you're, you're really trading a very high salary guy, generally probably either it's one of two things at that point. It's either a really good player or a big mistake that you made. Now you're matching what the tax teams can do, 125%. Plus 100,000. So that gives you hopefully the range. If you're working with the various trade machines out there, no, everybody loves the ESPN trade machine. I'm going to tell you right now, use the real GM trade checker. It's far more accurate. It doesn't have the bugs that the ESPN one has in it. And that's just a plug for, for the real GM trade checker. Use it. People don't like it though, because it doesn't show the actual salary. So people get, I don't know, I don't just, you know, Maybe use them in tandem and check, but you know that's that's just my plug for that one. But if you're using those, that's the exact rules that it uses to evaluate the trades. It's going to go through and say, you know, yes, this works. No, this doesn't work. So, so with that said, um, that's your your math portion of it, your your cap math. And then the other thing is, you can't trade first round picks in consecutive drafts. That's called the Stepien rule. There's a whole site built up around the, the Stepien rule now. I'm run, par, partially run by my buddy Coles Wicker out there with, with the Stepien. So check those guys out. A lot of cool draft coverage from those guys. Um, but one of the things is with them is what you want to be really kind of um, keeping in mind as we talk these kind of things. You can't if you already owe a pick, you can't send the next year's pick out as well. You have to have a pick. Go ahead, Con. And Keith, for example, if if like the Cavs, for example, they have the Nets pick next year, they can trade their first rounder the year after, right? Like if you have another first round pick, then you can trade your own first round pick, even if your own first round pick of 2018, for example, the Cavs um, is out. They don't own theirs, if I recall correctly. They can still trade the next year's pick if 2021 isn't also traded. Correct. Yeah, you just have to you have to have a pick. 
Yeah. Um, you, you can't be completely without a first-round pick in back-to-back years. And we'll, we'll get, give a quick little history lesson here, education part of the show. The reason it's called the Stepien Rule is this guy named Ted Stepien on the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the day. He traded every first-round pick and basically sunk the franchise into oblivion for forever and it was just going to be a complete mess and and that's not what you want to have happen um i know people will be like the brooklyn nets did it too the the nets did it the nets traded every other first round pick for for basically a five-year period so they did one then kept one then did one and then they did a swap in the in-between years yeah now that's something that is being talked about that the nba may say you know what maybe in those those intermediate years you can't do a swap because what it really did was it ended up in the nets giving the celtics which the celtics traded one but three really fantastic first round picks in a row and you know it's made it difficult on the nets despite them really making a good effort on on the rebuild, and they're they're involved in a couple of these these trades here. So, so Con, you got anything else to add, kind of rules wise, before we get into breaking some of these down? No, it's just I have simple stuff like if you have fifteen guys on your roster and you're taking in one more player than you're giving out, you need to waive a guy. Um, that's and that's before the trade can go in, just so you can get up to that fifteen man roster again. So those are kind of the things. Yeah, that's a good point. We got a couple where. People didn't call out, so what we'll do is we'll say, well, this is a guy, if I was going to do this, this is a guy I would probably wave. Um, we'll call those out as we get into it. Well, so. well and that that's interesting because it kind of plays in. If, if you're a team like, for example, the Spurs or the Jazz are really deep and have 15 rotation caliber players or at least guys that you think you like, like waving one of those guys comes into play in some of these trades. Like, would you rather wave the guy and trade your guy and get the two guys that you're getting or just keep your two guys? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Think of this Nets trade, right, that the Nets and 76ers just did. The Nets like Sean Kilpatrick. But in order to do that trade, to take in Okafor and Stauskas and just send out Trevor Booker, they had, someone had to go. So Kilpatrick was the guy who, who went. He was a guy that they've, they've invested quite a bit of time in trying to develop after bringing him up from the G League and those kind of things. So, so it's a great point that it, it really does matter. So, you know, that that's just a plug there if you're throwing those things out. Um, again, to go, go back to Real GM, Real GM has an entire trade board where the entire board is made up of discussing either real transactions or making up fake trades. And one of the things that I know the moderator team does over there is they try to say, if you're making it up, give us the whole picture. Tell us who's being waived and those kind of things. And, and mo- most importantly, which you know, I can't kill my brothers over there down, is you got to give a reason why both teams would make that trade if you go to the real GM board. So you know, by all means, check it out. There are a lot of cool ideas. It's a good chance, too, if you're just thinking and maybe you don't know. You know your team really well, but you don't know the rest of the league. All that well, it's a chance to, to kind of throw things out there. So what I would say is go ahead and um, – you know, explore it, think about it, you know, use the different various trade machines, trade checker that are out there and start thinking about your trades. But all right, Con, let's get into them. Let's get into some of the trades. These are not in really any particular order. These are just ones we came. Con's going to read them and shout out who the who the idea came from. And then we're going to break it down and say if we like it and if we like it for one side better or the other. Yeah, so the first one, uh, which I thought was one of the more interesting ones, and it came from our network uh head of the network at Almighty Ballin, so Chris Axman, um, shout out to him. He Yeah, we got to read this one because he's the boss, so uh, we'll be in big trouble <laughs> um, if we don't read this but one. But also, it's an interesting trade. So Otto Porter and Jan Mahimi to the Clippers for Danilo Gallinari and DeAndre Jordan. What do you think about that, Keith? So here's the money-wise, money wise, so Washington Wizards sending out $43.2 million, Clippers sending out 41.3. so Clippers would be taking on $1.7 million here. Yeah, so basically a wash well within the trade rules um, to, to work. And again, we're going to try, we, you know, but there's always a possibility we might miss one and, oh, that didn't actually work, but I don't think so. So Actually, it, the Clippers are very close to the tax line. So, I mean, uh, oh, they are at the hard cap, right? They are hard cap. Anyway, they don't go over the hard cap here. Yeah, they do not because they've still got six million left in hard cap space, yeah. approximately. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so all right. So, was, as far as we know, it's it's close enough for, as we like to say in my, uh, my, my work, it's close enough for government work. So let, let's get into it. Let's break it down. So Porter and Mahinmi for Gallinari and Jordan. You know, when I first saw this, I was like, no way. Like, this doesn't make sense. And then the more I looked at it, I was like, 
I actually kind of like this. Um, I, I think for me, I might like it more from the... Jeez, oh, the more I look at it now. All right, I'm going to kick it to you. I need another minute to think about it. <laughs> um, and I've already been looking at it for a so, while. Go ahead and give your thoughts. So here... Yeah, this is this is how I thought about it. So there's there's two different aspects to this trade. There's bad contract for bad contract in Danilo Gallinari for Jan Mahinmi. Uh, he's so Gallinari's making four million dollars more than Mahinmi right now, but Gallinari's probably a better player too at a more important position and can kind of approximate or approximate for what Otto Porter does for the Wizards, for example. Um, he can't shoot as well and he's also hurt a lot. Jan Mahinmi is also hurt or he was hurt last year. And uh, he's making a lot of money for a center, but again, they're giving up DeAndre, so Jan Mahimi, this leaves the Clippers at a really tough position at the big man. Like, who would even, like, would Jan Mahimi start for them? Probably. Yeah, um, he'd probably have to, because it's only yeah. Carroll and Willie Reed after that. And Otto Porter is really interesting for them, but it's like, I don't know. And and besides, Gortat and Wall and Beal have great chemistry. Yeah. So I don't know if the Wizards would be dying to get rid of Otto Porter for a DeAndre Jordan, who's going to opt out anyway, and they're going to have to pay and all that. So it's I don't know if this works, but it's it's really intriguing. Like I don't know if I do it if I'm either team really. Yeah. So basically, what you're doing if you're the Clippers, you're getting paid Otto Porter to take on Mahinmi while dumping Gallinari, right? I mean, that's that's really what it'd be for... So, kind of, so their yeah. side, I think, is a little easier to 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 get into, and I want to spend a little bit of time on the Wizards' side on this one. So, so yeah, Mahinmi probably starts, and he's not terrible. You know, I mean, at least play a little bit of defense and can rebound. He earned that contract. He had played pretty well. Oh, the, yeah. The one plus side is he makes 16.6 this year, and then it is a declining contract. So down to 15.9 and then 15.5 the year after. And then Porter has, you know, he's shown he's one of the better young small forwards, can move up and play a little bit of the four as well. And he signed for two more years after this season and then his, his final year being a player option. So definitely interesting there. He would instantly, I would say, be the best young player on the Clippers roster. I actually kind of like it for them. He's a go ahead. Porter's exactly who the Clippers needed last year and the few years. Yeah, before. for since basically since Doc Rivers got there. Yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. is interesting. It's not because, bad. It's not. It's not a bad trade for either. Yeah. Think, so but let's it's like I don't know. Let's flip it forward for next year, right? Because it's not. It's not enough to save them this year. But then next year, yeah. you're looking at a lineup of Mahinmi, Griffin, Porter. Probably they were starting Teodosic, so let's say he comes back, and then let's say. Patrick Beverly gets back. That's actually a pretty decent starting lineup. You've got a good balance of scoring and defense in there. Um, is a guy who doesn't really need the ball at all. So the fact that Griffin and Porter needed a lot, that, that doesn't hurt you. You still got Austin Rivers. I, I kind of like that one. Now, for the Wizards, the only thing, you, and you touched on it with the way their chemistry is with Gortat, I don't know that Jordan coming in is a, is he that big of an upgrade over what Gortat gives them? Because I think Gortat might actually be the better offensive player. Well, I think it it gives them just quality depth at the center at all all minutes because both of them are strictly tied to the center position. They can't play the four. Um, and and if you're staggering Porter and Beal, which they do a lot, especially in the playoffs, then you have Gortat or Jordan with one of Wall or Beal at all times. And that's that gives them a lot of options, and then Danilo can make a, can make plays from the wing, which Otto Porter can't really do. Um, but Beal has gotten a lot better at that, so they don't lack the secondary playmaking as much as they used to. But it's this one is interesting, yeah. Someone's gonna be unhappy out of Gortat and Jordan too, because they're both starters. They've both been starters for for quite some time now. So I think you're you're on the risk there. Um, the nice thing with Gallinari is they think the Wizards can get by a little bit more if he was to get injured because they do still have Kelly Oubre Jr. who could slide in. I like that it keeps that versatility of Gallo can slide up to play the four if they wanted to go small and, and put Morris on the bench or even play 
play Morris at the five. If they, but I guess if you had Jordan and Gortat, you really don't have any minutes there. So, so it's definitely interesting. I would say, so what I want to do with each of these, Con, is I want to give, let, let's uh, kind of give a thumbs up, thumbs down if we, we liked it. I think if we spent this much time on it, it's definitely a thumbs up for each of us. And then what I want to do is let's go to each team in the trade and say if we think they – that side would do it. So let's start with the Clippers. You go first. Well, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, we already talked about that. I think the Clippers, the Clippers in the end, if they're trying to get rid of DeAndre and they're, oh man, the Clippers. I think, <laughs> I think the Clippers they, would do it. I think I, the Clippers would do it. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I I think they would, they would end up doing it. I think that, I don't think the Wizards would. And and the reason why, so I was gonna I was I was gonna say the exact same thing because the reason why that the Wizards would think about this and then say no ultimately is because you have Gallinari on the books for twenty million dollars a year, so right, yeah. so you had an auto porter there. But now what you have to do is pay DeAndre probably close to max money, because yeah. you need to keep him, and he's gonna decline the player option. So there's the risk of losing DeAndre. There's also the risk of being well, well, well into the tax because you need to pay him as well, yeah. um, and he makes more than Mahinmi. So, yeah, I think that's what ultimately does it for the Clippers, the risk factor and the more money factor. Yeah, and I think ultimately, too, for I would like it a lot more for the Wizards if they had a separate trade lined up to move Gortat somewhere, maybe for a little more wing help. Um, yeah, then, then it would make a lot more sense. That's, you know, we could start chaining together trades and spend the rest of the night doing that. All right, let's move on <laughs> to the next one. Okay, so the next one uh, was actually an email. So thanks for emailing from Brian Young. Um, so this one's between the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat. So the Nuggets would get Moutier, Wilson Chandler. The Heat would get. Or sorry, the Heat would get. Yeah, the Heat would get Moutier, Wilson Chandler, and 2018 Denver first round pick for Goran Dragic. Okay, so the Heat, they would have to waive someone. So, I mean, that's pretty easy to either be Jordan Mickey or Udonis Haslam. Most likely, um, you know, and they, I don't, they probably Mickey. I don't think they'd worry too much about that one. Um, and then the Nuggets bring in Dragic. It's interesting. I don't know about giving up the first, but I do like Dragic on the Nuggets. I would protect that first round pick. Um, just because I think Wilson Chandler, especially, he's been hurt. Like, I'm just thinking from the Nuggets perspective right now. Wilson Chandler's been hurt and hasn't been performing too well. Um, and probably the Nuggets don't want to give him his player option if he picks it up next year and probably won't re-sign him anyway if he doesn't. And then Moody has been playing better for them, so that's going to be kind of the tough. And then the first-round pick on top of it, I think Goran Dragic is just a really good player. Yeah, so I love Dragic, and, and I like his fit with Jokic and Millsap when he's healthy. I think that's a that's, – you know, you're making a really good offensive team even better. Who starts at the – what do you do – how do you shake out the guard and small forward rotation then if you're Denver? Because Dragic would have to start, probably still start Harris. Do you go really small and start the three guards with Harris, Murray, and Dragic? Does Murray go to the bench and you start Barton there? Um, that's That's interesting. Uh, on the Heat side, so Chandler comes in already a little bit crowded at the three spot, right? The three four spot. You've got Winslow and Johnson have that mostly covered, and then you've got Josh Richardson in the mix there, and then Moutier. He who who becomes the Heat starting point guard? Sorry, I'm gonna pull up the Moutier, depth chart. Probably. I think Moutier starts, or I guess you can move Tyler Johnson in there. Um, yeah, I I think. It is interesting, and it's really close. And I, I think I like it more because I like the idea of Dragic on the Nuggets um, than I like the trade itself. I think so. So, But the first rounder, the extra first rounder for the Heat could definitely make them think. Yeah, I think that could definitely swing it for, for them because that's you know just another nice piece to have. I, I would, and it does clear some money too because Chandler is a free agent at the end of the year, right? Um, well, he has a player option for twelve point eight million, and he's so probably going to opt in. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. At this point in his career. All right. So, but it, I mean, still saves him a little bit of money long term because Dragic has a I couple think it, years left. 
it would depend on how their season's going. If they if they look like they're not doing so hot and they don't and they're really falling out of the playoff race, then they'll be like, okay, well, we need to trend younger. We need a pick. We'll take on Wilson Chandler's contract, and I'm sure he can give us some minutes too. Um, and then just make our own pick better by getting rid of Dragic as well. So we'll have the Nuggets pick. Our own pick will be better. Um, we'll get a young talent like Moutier. Um, but if they're doing well, they obviously are probably going to be doing well because Dragic is playing well. So yeah, they wouldn't think, trade him if they're doing well. I, I think this is a one where I'd like it better if you got a third team in there to send Chandler to. Maybe a playoff team where it could make a little more sense for him. So so as far as thumbs up, thumbs down, I say definitely thumbs up on the trade. It is interesting enough. Um, you know, good good job there. Was it Brian Young? You said sent that one in. So, you know, good job on him. Um, I would say, though, I don't think either team does this because I think it leaves Denver too weak on the, the small forward situation with Chandler out. That really only leaves Barton and then guys – kind of masquerading as small forwards. And then that leaves them with, I mean, it does Dragic and Mari become the point guard rotation, which is, is really good. And I think that's okay. But Moutier, you mentioned it, he's starting to play better now. And I think they're not going to want to give up a pick because they're going to be in a position where this team's expensive and only getting more expensive, especially when they have to sign Jokic this summer. So they're going to need ways to add cheap talent. The Cheap, best way to add cheap talent is with with uh, draft picks that are cost controlled. And then from the Heat side, it, I, could, I guess if the whole season was falling apart on them and they were done, I could see them doing it. But otherwise, I don't think they would want to crowd the rest of their stuff with taking what would be a pretty significant downgrade at point guard. Yeah, I I, I generally agree with you. I think the Heat. It's closer for the Heat maybe than uh, you think. I think for me at least. Um, but the season does have to go in a bad way, and they, they haven't been playing too well, so it, that really affects it. The Nuggets, the money is what happens. Like They don't want to be paying. To, they want cap space in 2019-2020, their third year, when the team option, the $30.5 million team option for Paul Millsap, that I don't know how they got that team option. Anyway, um, they'll probably decline that, have a lot of cap space. They don't want to be paying Dragic $27 million that year. Um, or $19 million, sorry. But, $19 million and then... Yeah, and then paying Jokic a bunch of money and Harris yeah, money, so. you know, and De- Denver's, I'm, I'm sure they'd be willing to dip into the luxury tax if they had to. I don't think they want to jump in there willingly. But, you know, hey, good good one. You know, the whole idea is if you make us think and we're not immediately rejecting it, then you did pretty good. So, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, let's get some, um, let's see, which one should we do here? How about another DeAndre one real quick? DeAndre right. for... Actually, the next two are DeAndre. Wow, <laughs> a lot of DeAndre trades. Big surprise, right? It's only been out there for yeah. weeks now. So DeAndre Jordan for Chris Middleton and John Henson. All right, DeAndre Jordan. So DeAndre Jordan to the box for Chris Middleton and John Henson. All right, so from the Milwaukee side. All right, so in order to do this, you're assuming that Jabari can come back. Because it's the only way you're going to do this, right? You're not going to going to do this if if you you're not going to leave yourself that then on the wing. We don't think Jabari can get back because that that means an awful lot of Rashad Vaughn and DeAndre Wiggins minutes. I don't I don't think the Bucks do it because Middleton's an important piece, and I think the Clippers would definitely do it because they're not going to get anything better for DeAndre than Middleton if they're trying to trade DeAndre. That's the whole caveat there. But um, yeah, I think it's. I don't know if the the Bucks do it because Middleton's important for them. Yeah, he is. I you know it's a. Uh, I think it'd be more likely, and they can't trade him yet. But and that's the other thing too. We know some of these guys might not be able to be traded just yet. And but we're more. This is call this at the trade the deadline. Gauging value. Yeah, and trade deadline yeah. when everybody's tradable. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think they got to do something. I think they can get away with the rest of this year. All right, so let's. Let's step away from the trade for a second. If you're the box and Jabari comes back, which all signs are, it looks like he's, he looks great, you know, from everything that's been reported and a few things that they put out there video-wise. So I think you can get away with the rest of this year saying, hey, you're going to come off the bench and be, you know, be our, you know, kind of score, um, scoring forward off the bench and stick with really the, the, uh, Middleton and Snell is your wing rotation with Giannis as the, the other forward there. And then, but next year is where it gets interesting because Jabari needs paid. 
and you just paid Tony Snell, you got Middleton, and obviously Giannis is the franchise. So that's where it starts to get really, really tricky is what do you do? Because now you're going to be paying somebody to be a a six-man a backup. Unless they're going to do something really radical, which I just can't imagine because it's not how Jason Kidd works. If he's still around, unless you said, hey, we're just going to play them all and play Giannis at the five, which I would love. I think that would be amazing. I think they'd be close to unstoppable offensively. And I think they could actually... I think that's a playoff. Yeah, that's a playoff lineup. Yeah, I think, yeah. And that's like a, yeah, that's like a closing lineup, right? Close the half, close the game um, type of lineup with, with that. So, all right, so back into the trade. So now you're getting DeAndre for the rest of this year, who's obviously, he's a massive upgrade over any center. The Bucks run out there, even when Thon's playing the center spot. So I don't think that's a problem. Um, he is signed with, you know, surprisingly enough, an agent who's very t- tight with the Bucks. Um, so, you know, good chance you could re-sign him. He does bring something different from from their other guys with his shot blocking and his rebounding. He's like Henson, but 20 times better. Um, you know, and as you mentioned in the first trade, he does need signed. So that becomes a big, big deal. But you could probably get him re-signed. So I think, I, boy, if, if Jabari is back and you trust it, I think you could pull the trigger on this if you're Milwaukee. So if Jabari's back and you're and you're committing to I'm going to pay DeAndre a bunch of money and resign Jabari to a good deal, then I think you do it. If you're the Bucks on the Clippers side, I'd be all over this because this is a chance. And now I say this as outside of Milwaukee and the Middleton family, I might be the biggest Chris Middleton fan in the world. I love this guy. He's been my uh, most tradable asset um, for years or most. Um, Basically, he's he's got the best value for his contract um, in the last couple of years running for a real GM when I write that, that uh, column right around the trade deadline each year. So, obviously, I have a lot of love for him. Again, fills that spot. Like we said, Otto Porter would fill in the previous DeAndre trade. That's been a problem spot for the Clippers for years. I actually like John Henson more than a lot of other people do. I think he's you know, a valuable guy as long as you're not asking him to do too much. So, yeah, I, I would... Um, I would do this if I was the Clippers. I would do this if, do this if I was the Bucs if, if I'm committing to re-signing DeAndre and re-signing Jabari. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd do this if I'm the Bucks personally. Um, okay. I would do it if I'm the Clippers. I agree with you there. Uh, I do like the trade, though, overall. I think this is an interesting trade to think about. Yeah, now, the thing, too, with all these, if you're getting good value for the Clippers, I think you have to move on from DeAndre just kind of in a vacuum um, here just overall because I think he is – I think he's gone at the end of the year. He was so close to gone before. I mean, they had to barricade the guy in his house to keep him before. So I think it's uh, – he is going to be be out the door um, there in Los Angeles. So that will be, be interesting to see, you know, where that goes, um, you know, ultimately um, on that one. So let's uh, move on to the next trade. It's another DeAndre trade. Yeah, right? we can. Yeah, let's do that one. Uh, yeah, let's do it. It's the last DeAndre trade, so let's get it knocked out. Um, Raptors and Clippers. So the Clippers would get Valanchunas, Norman Powell, and Bebe. They would need to waive one player, Bebe Noguera or Lucas Noguera, I guess is the real name. Um, and the Raptors would get DeAndre. And this is by at Giants FTW thirteen. I'll get the Twitter handle of the Bucks Clippers trade. So now Powell. Paul, because of his extension, but because Paul, because of his extension, he counts for the average value, right? Because he's already agreed to his extension. So that's a that's um what is kind of commonly referred to as a poison pill. Um, two ways the poison pill is used. So so what is Paul's outgoing value is about eight point seven million. So I think it still works. I think the money's still okay um, with this one. So that's that's, that's yeah, that good. makes the money closer actually. Uh, yeah, it makes it closer, but still definitely still works. So yeah, go ahead, Con. You give your the thoughts. Raptors' perspective. I think so. They get DeAndre for Valanciunas. Losing Norman Powell is kind of. Uh, it would be tough for them because, again, their wing rotation. I mean, they've been playing really well, so I don't want to bash them. But uh, they they don't have too deep of a wing rotation. But I think DeAndre gives them that 
extra layer of stars. So they would have like DeAndre and Ibaka in the in the front court, Lowry and DeRozan in the in the front in the back court. They got CJ Miles. Like that starting lineup is scary. I think I think that they could do a lot of work. I actually kind of like this one for the Raptors, to be honest. Um, for the Clippers, or we're staying Raptors. So what what do you think about this for the Raptors? Yeah, so on the Raptors side, so this would leave you leave you with DeAndre, Serge Ibaka, probably OG Ananobi, DeRozan, and Lowry, just off the guys they've been starting recently. And then that leaves you Miles, becomes your primary backup wing. Powell is back to, he's like the fourth wing now. Um, yes, I, I swear, uh, just aside, I think Casey hates him. Powell? Um, yeah. <laughs> Because he just he the guy cannot crack consistent rotation minutes, and I feel like every time I watch, he does nothing but make good plays. So well, that's more likely than he'll, that he'll move to the Clippers in this trade then. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Good point. So yeah, so that leaves you with yeah, so it does leave you short on the wing because now it's just Miles. So and they, they do have to wave somebody, but they've got guys like Alfonso McKinney. Um, maybe they finally cut ties with Bruno Caboclo. Um, you know, might be time anyway. Might might be about four years past time on that one. So yeah, now here comes the challenge, though, right? You got to resign DeAndre. Now you cleared you cleared some money off Valanciunas. He's got a couple years left. Uh, the last year being a player option. Powell, you're trading him before his extension even kicks in. But that's a little bit of money. But but you're going to be expensive, and you're already pretty expensive up there in Toronto. So that one's that one's close. Um, from that side, I, I like it in terms of I don't think you're giving up much by giving up Valanchunas, Noguera, whatever. doesn't matter. You already have Jakob Bertle. He's better than Noguera in most facets of the game. So you have a solid backup. So I like it from that standpoint. I just I don't know if it makes him too expensive long term. That's, I think, where it becomes a challenge. That's definitely something I probably should have looked closer at. I actually think that makes it a no-go for the Raptors. I mean, they're already trying to avoid the tax, and that would give them another, yeah. a fourth $20 million player. Yeah, I just don't know that they can do that. Yeah, it's the thing is, though, like, but they, they lose Powell's $9 million next year, and then they also are off of Valanciunas' $16.5 million next year. Yeah. So losing those combined isn't as much as, or is probably just as much as DeAndre would make yeah, so you could think about it that his way range right he's probably somewhere between 25 and 30 million next season exactly so if you so, think about it that yeah. way then maybe it's not too off-putting for the raptors money-wise yeah it's 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 close right it's, it's close because then you gotta also then you gotta replace them with somebody else to you know come in and slide in there so definitely close clippers side though i uh, so here's my problem so when i saw this one I, this was actually one of the first ones i saw and I was thinking about it today on my way into, into work. And I was like, man, poor Jonas Valanciunas, my, my Lithuanian brethren. <laughs> hey, the poor guy he just came to the NBA about 10 years too late. Because this guy would have been a monster about 10 years ago. Yeah. And now he's just – can he even play next to Blake? Like, you're, like, like he only kind of gets away with it next to Ibaka because Ibaka now is allergic to the paint. He only wants to shoot jump shots. So I don't know. That becomes tough. I like the idea of them getting Powell, um, no gear or whatever. I, that's you know, that's a he's a fourth big man in your rotation. I think um, they'd want to first. Got guys like that. I think they'd want. Yeah, first. they probably would. I, I think I think that's what it would have to be. If I was Toronto, if I really wanted DeAndre Jordan, I'd give it because what difference does it make? It's going to be you're talking about at first. It's probably what twenty two and below. That's where they got OG though. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, but is that first round picks are easy to year? give up? Yeah, you're not going to hit on it every year, but that's not what you yeah. think. That's not how you value it. You value it like no, you're going to hit sure. on it, right? So yeah, um, I, um, I think that's tough for them to give up a first rounder. Uh, but well, I when think, it goes back to what he said about somebody else was when you're really expensive, the only way to add cheap talent, the best way to add cheap talent is to exactly, draft exactly because it's cost controlled. So yeah, it's really close. I would say. I'm more leaning to the no side for the Clippers because I think I would almost rather just have straight cap space if I'm going to just go with Jordan. I don't know that I want to take on Valanciunas and Powell and um, you know that that money that those two are going to be owed. I think I'd rather just have the cap space and 
you know, dump DeAndre for like I I would much rather do the Milwaukee trade. Oh, definitely. Than than this one. I think that one makes a lot more sense. I think what was our first one. And with the Milwaukee trade, um, just wanted to shout the guy out uh, at C Burba nine. So C B E R B A nine. Yep, on Twitter. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, it's 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 good, but I, I think uh, I think I would do it from the Toronto side, and I would pass from the Clippers side. Yeah, I'm probably on the same boat. Although I would definitely need to think about it hard if I'm if I'm Toronto. Um, yeah, but yeah. All right, let's do one more. We got time for one more. One so more. Do you do... want to quick hit the Ellenson for Joe Harris blockbuster yeah, let's first? Because that, that one, both, <laughs> we both like that one. So go ahead. So well, yeah, it's the from at G N Y R underscore eighty two. Um, between the Nets and the Pistons, Joe Harris for Henry Ellenson. Uh, what do you think of this one? So, first of all, shouts to this dude because obviously he follows the NBA because he went pretty deep into <laughs> a couple rosters here uh, for this one. So, I, I love it, right? This is this is what this whole show is built around is diving deep into these rosters um, and really looking you know, really far down. I actually really like this trade for both sides, um, especially on the heels of the uh, the trade the Nets just did in real life, because someone is getting squeezed out of the rotation out of Harrison Stauskas. They can't both play. So I like the idea of them moving Harris and then picking up a guy who's under contract for a couple more seasons in Ellenson because he's still on his rookie scale deal for a couple couple more years. And then that gives you something that, Really, they don't have. It's funny because we. I know we've been laughing that they they've got all these bigs that they've turned into shooters, but they don't have stretch bigs anymore. None of these guys are really that guy because Moskov, he's not. He's kind of now an afterthought. So then you got Okafor. He's not. God, if if Atkinson turns Okafor into a shooter, coach of the year, pants down. I'm not even gonna. They, I don't care how many games they win. That that should get him some kind of award. Um, but. Ellenson can do that. I, you know, now I, I, I'm the first one to caution: don't go crazy over summer league. But I've watched this guy tear up summer league the last couple of years, and he really is—he's just a good shooter. He can do a lot of a lot of interesting things out there. I'd love to see Atkinson get his hands on Henry Ellenson and find out if he can make him a player. Plus, it frees up that little bit of a log jam at the two three spot and could free up time for Stauskas to play to evaluate him. And then I actually kind of like Harris on the Pistons side, just because I don't know that they can trust Luke Kennard the whole way just yet. I like him as a prospect, but they could use one more bench shooter and that's what Joe Harris can do. And Ellenson's completely buried and out of the rotation. So thumbs up for me on this one, just, you know, one good job on going super deep into the rosters. And I actually think this trade makes a lot of sense for both sides. Yeah, well, I love the trade. Um, one thing, though, because of the reasons that you just listed for liking Henry Ellenson on the Nets, um, I would, I, but this is my personal thing. I know he's been buried on the bench on the Pistons. I don't know if I would give up Ellenson if I'm the Pistons. Um, one, because I already have Avery Bradley, Luke Kennard, uh, Langston Galloway playing the two-guard spot, and I, I also have Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson at the guard spot. So I don't know how much time... Harris is going to get, I mean, they, um, Tolliver's been playing okay, and, you know, so I think I'd rather keep Ellenson in this deal if I'm, if I'm the Pistons, but I would not be surprised, like, I like Harris too, so he could definitely play for the Pistons, I just am higher on Ellenson than most, and like you said, I I watched him in the summer league too a bit, so um, I'm, I'm a bit higher on Ellenson than probably most, so that's why I don't do it if I'm the Pistons, but I love the idea, and they, they might, because Ellenson doesn't really play for them. Yeah, so here's my thing. Let's let's get into it a little deeper. I like the idea of when John Lore gets back. I think he steals basically every minute that Ellenson could possibly play because he's yeah. better than Ellenson. No, he is. Yeah, and and what they don't have is they don't have a guy who's what well, Harris is. What he's about six, 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 seven or so. They don't really have a guy like that on that roster because Kennard he's about six four, six five. Um, and then it's Stanley Johnson is the only other guy who can really play the three. So I like the idea of Harris being able to step in there and do something for him. Anytime you can get somebody who can maybe fill a role for you, for someone who doesn't do anything for you, I think it helps. But to what you were kind of maybe getting at a little, and maybe, maybe I'm misreading your point, but I think it's 
What becomes tricky is you're giving up a guy on a rookie scale deal, and that's always hard to do. You, you, that's something you know teams are really loath to do. They they don't want to do that. They they don't like to do that. So I think it becomes you know that's where it becomes a, the challenging part. And Harris is an expiring guy. So let's say Harris does come and he plays well. Now you're gonna resign him. And you know in Detroit again, another team starting to get a little expensive. There, if you're the Pistons, because you're probably looking to bring Avery Bradley back. But is Harris, locked up Drummond. is Harris going to make more than, say, the room exception anyway? Like, I don't think Harris is going to um, demand that big of a contract. No, pro- yeah, probably not. But even if you're the Pistons, even that is starting to push you into a territory where yeah, true. you're starting to be a little bit more expensive. Like, I, I'm pulling it up right now. They have committed money on the books next year. Because don't forget, five point three million for Josh Smith. <laughs> they have they're already at a hundred and one committed, so they're already basically at the cap. Well, and they need to sign Bradley, Avery Bradley, and then yeah. So now you're signing Bradley. Bradley's that's probably going to be about fifteen million a year. I would say at this point for Avery Bradley, guy who's never gotten paid. Um, so now you're at one hundred and fifteen million. Now you're starting to push up close to the tax, and then call it. You know, let's say let's just let's be really positive and say Harris busts out and you're giving him the, the room exception. Now you're at uh you know another five million there, so that's you know, now you're really close. They don't have the biannual exception because they used that um, on Anthony Tolliver this year. So really they're they're limited in their roster building pieces um in Detroit. So so that that could be further reason why they hang on to Allenson, actually, because then he's at least cost controlled. For a couple of years at you know less than three million each season, so really close. But I like it. It's uh, it's again, it's anytime you go that deep into rosters and we can get a few minutes out of it, you, then you made us think. You know, well done. Who was that again? Let's let's give that guy another shout out. Yeah, uh, at G N Y R underscore eighty two. Yeah, well done. Uh, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Wait, let's, let's see if he has a li- let's see if his no his name is G N Y R too so I don't know what that uh, is. All right, uh, go <laughs> New York Rangers. I don't know, uh, but no, good job, man. That's that's awesome. I uh, I think that's really really well done. So so what we're gonna do is is we have more. Um, so what we're gonna do though we're already at an hour, so we're gonna close this out. We'll save these um, because there's a couple more interesting ones on there. So what we'll do is we'll save them for when Pete's back with us, and we'll do another one of these. Keep them coming. You can see keep sending them through Twitter or through the email if you get more. We'll I promise we'll do at least one, if not two more of these before the trade deadline. So I think this was a lot of fun. I like you know it gets my brain working, gets me thinking about the. I never would have thought of Joe Harris for Henry Ellenson. Um, just off the top of my head, and I'm like, wow, that's actually really interesting. So, you know, so that's that's the fun part of this. So, you know, good job with that. It's, um, you know, been been a lot of fun to break these down. You know, again, shout out to everybody who sent in a trade. You know, thank you so much. Thanks for being really, really reasonable and uh, sending those in to us. It, you know, made, made it really easy on us um, with this. There were a bunch of Celtics-related ones, especially with the DPE. Um, we'll talk about that next time because some of them were completely illegal for how the DPE can yeah. be used. And then other ones were they, – there were a couple interesting. So we'll, we'll, you know, maybe get into some of those next time around. So, Con, go ahead and tell everybody your Twitter where they can find you know about the Benchmob podcast. Yeah, so my Twitter is at Con, K-A-A-N-B-A underscore MTD. Um, and then – I'm a host of one of the hosts of the Bench Mob NBA podcast where we we actually do a lot of trade talk. So every like hashtag trade deadline Tuesday, if you've seen that, um, we do a trade deadline from a different team's perspective every Tuesday. Go check that out. We have a lot of other pods too. So that's the Bench Mob NBA. And you can follow that pod at thebenchmobnba.com and visit the website thebenchmobnba.com. Or sorry, I said .com twice. Anyway, you get the idea. Bench Mob NBA. <laughs> <laughs> And then I don't I don't want to blow it up if it's a secret, but Con was telling me about a pretty cool pod coming up that I think if you're if you're listening to this one, I bet you're you're going to be interested in listening to the to the batch one because he's a pretty cool guest. Oh, definitely, coming definitely, on a yeah. future episode there. So yeah, so definitely uh, check that out. Be be on the lookout for that one. I'm sure they'll be tweeting it and sharing it and going across all social media. But again, I am at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. K e i t h s m i t h NBA. No spaces. No special characters. 
none of that stuff. Pretty simple and easy. Um, I also, my email is in my Twitter bio. If you send me an email, I promise I will read it. I don't respond to everything. I try to get back to as much stuff as I can. But, uh, you know, we're getting into it now. We're a couple days out from the unofficial trade season opening to look excuse me, December 15th is when players who are signed to contracts over the summer can be traded. That's the earliest trade date. So that's kind of the, the uh, what what team executives call early trade season that lasts until about mid-January. And then we'll be right into the NBA trade deadline, which is earlier than usual this year. We're less than two months away on February 8th. So really getting close to down to a time for, for trades. And just, yeah, I'm fortunate enough to be able to talk to a lot of folks in front of offices with most of the NBA capped out. Everyone expects this to be a very busy trade deadline. They expect to see trades back in vogue. Things like expiring contracts are a big deal again. Like, wait, you don't have 20 teams with 10 and $20 million in cap space like you had over the last few years. So it's going to be a really interesting trade deadline as teams are positioning themselves for the rest of this year and for next year. So we're going to surely have lots to talk about here on the show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the NBA Front Office Show. We're part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we'll talk to you next time. Line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.